welcome to the Human Design Profiles and Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Chantel. I'm a manifesting generator and I'm a 1-3 profile. I'm also a workshop facilitator for service providers and the writer and publisher of a book series for every facet of your small business journey. This podcast is an active learning experiment of mine as a 1-3 on how we experience entrepreneurship on an individual level while we're satisfying our desire for self-awareness. Each episode is a profile of a human design enthusiast and today a human design expert and business owner who's here to share how their personal profile lines influence their business journey. Today, my conversation is with Rachel, a human design expert and the creator of Pure Generators at www.puregenerators.com and the author of A Modern Guide to Human Design, where she shares accessible, practical human design info. She's particularly interested in how we can liberate ourselves from draining jobs, live in alignment with our true selves, and understand our role in the shift into the new paradigm. Have a listen while today's guest, Rachel, a 1-3, shares her story while you read between the lines. Rachel, you've talked before about how you love to go deep into things and obsessively research. And I have to say, I've been the recipient of some of that research. I've been reading your blog over the years. And the way that you write about the generator and the MG experience has had a huge impact on my own understanding of my design. And we do have that profile in common. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious, what form does your nerding out, as you like to call it, take? Is it like a combination of reading, listening, embodiment, or what does finding depth mean to you as a one three? Yeah, it's fun to talk to another one three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I probably like you, I sort of switch between researching, learning a lot, getting a lot of knowledge, and then really needing to test that out in the world. Mm -hmm. I feel like I because I've been doing this, focusing on human design for almost five years now. And I would say that I've gone through periods where I'm learning a lot. And then I go through periods where I'm not really learning a lot. I'm really just experiencing life. I've gone through whole years where I don't even like look up a new human design thing mm -hmm. because actually integrating human design is about actually just living your life and not always seeking information. But yeah, I mean, books, podcasts, YouTube, Reddit, Googling, like everywhere. That's definitely the rabbit holes that I go to. Yes. That'll be familiar to anyone with a one line for sure. <laughs> when you're figuring out what you might want to do next, like when you're in a phase where you're ready to go from that learning period into that trial period, what does that look like and feel like for you? Yeah. I think the shift happens kind of organically. It's like the generator energy kind of shifts on its own. And I'm sure like other generators and MGs can probably understand that feeling. It's not always the most comfortable feeling. It can be actually a really uncomfortable feeling because it's like my energy will be all in on like learning and gathering information. And then it sort of just starts to feel stale. It's just like, oh, ugh, I'm not really finding anything else it's interesting. Like, ugh, I don't really have the energy for this. And that's when I typically know that it's time to focus that attention. I mean, I have a defined head and Ajna center as well. So like I need constant mental stimulation. So maybe I focus that mental attention to something else, but then with that stuff that I've been researching, that's when I know it's time to just go back to living my life <laughs> and see how <laughs> I can implement that in my actual day to day as opposed to just being in that like information gathering phase. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me as a one three. When you are coaching someone else who has the same profile as you, mm -hmm. is there anything that you find 
is a specific message that one threes need to hear? I think one of the most common things that comes up with one threes and has definitely been a challenge in my life is we can be easily conditioned into focusing too much on the external, on relationships and having things come to our life that way. It's not that we're not here to have relationships. Like every single human is designed to have relationships, but as I've deconditioned more and more, I find that having that space and time to just really be in my own internal process, like so much of one threes is about that internal reflection, introspection, reviewing your journey, your path. It's just self-focused in that way. And a lot of our growth doesn't necessarily come through maybe relationships or whatever. It's like, we might learn from those things, but at the end of the day, it's always going to be about our own internal process. So I think that's something that one threes don't always understand right away. I know I didn't. And now that I understand that it's a lot easier to realize everything that I'm experiencing out in life is really just fodder for like this internal making sense of what I've experienced. I don't really need that from other people, I guess. I don't know. Is that something that you have felt in your life? Yeah, I'm certainly more inward focused than most. Mm -hmm. And sometimes for me, that feels like Oh, am I being really self-centered right now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's awkward, you know, because we are told if you focus too much on yourself, you're selfish, you're self-centered, mm-hmm. like none of those are positive terms, you know, but on the same level, I can't teach on anything until I've experienced it myself mm-hmm. or experienced it by proxy through an in-depth client work experience. Mm-hmm. I would say that's a whole other lens. Like we can't really be effective until we have kind of mastered that ourselves, right? Yeah. And then beyond that, like sometimes us one lines can feel really insecure if we're unprepared or like what we deem to be unprepared. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's probably not what other people would call unprepared. Like we might know a lot about a subject, but until we feel like we really have that mastery, it can be difficult to find that outward expression. I don't know if that's something you can relate to. Yeah, definitely. Like I'm thinking about a couple that I know where one of them is a two, four and the other one is a one, three, and they're both kind of artists at this stage in their life. The one, three is more of a traditional like gallery artist. Like she shows paintings in a gallery and the other person is more of a craftsman, like making clothing and things like that. And it's just interesting, even though they're both artists, it's so funny to see how those two profiles operate so differently because the two, four is more focused on like building the community. When I did a reading for her years back, that was what I told her. I was like, you don't have to have the biggest online following. Like you really can just leverage your community to help you build your business. So it's like her artistry is kind of this community movement where it's like Mm. all these pictures of her and all of her friends and like sports teammates all wearing her clothing. Whereas her partner, when we talked about it, I was like, oh yeah, your process is going to be like so internal so much about like how you feel about things and she was like oh my god like that makes me feel so much better because I think she was feeling exactly the way you're describing like maybe too self-centered or just like too much like in her own thing but I also just feel even though both of those people that I'm talking about are artists I feel like the one three no matter what you do kind of has that artist component to it it's almost what the archetype is one threes tend to like to really create 
as opposed to maybe be relating or whatever. It's like the way that you're relating to others is through creation. So like, it makes sense that you would be doing this podcast as a one, three. It's like, that's your way to relate to other people by creating this like body of work for them. And that's definitely how I am. Like I've actually done very little like one-on-one work in my business in the whole five years. Mostly I create things for people. So that's also another interesting thing that comes up is often one threes are like, oh, oh, like I could just create things like maybe I could because there's a lot of stuff (laughs) out there in business in particular, like online business about how the best thing is like start one on one do this like, yeah, so coach or whatever. But for a lot of one threes, it's more creation that can look a lot of different ways. So it's more of like an underlying energy to what you're doing. I don't know if you resonate with that. Yes, definitely. (laughs) I did a lot of one-on-one work myself in an earlier iteration of my business, but then it started to feel off. And I think it is like what you're describing, the need to make something when I'd been making other people's things for such a long time Mm -hmm. for a while, that felt really good. And then all of a sudden it didn't. And I was like, oh, I kind of want to do my own thing. Wouldn't it be cool if I could just like make this and that would be my entire job. And that's the transition that I'm going through right now Yeah, (laughs) where I'm shifting into less coaching, less one-on-one, less even group coaching and more putting things out into the world. Um, That's what I've got going. I'm writing a series of guides on entrepreneurship. It's a physical, tangible thing of my own creation. And I'm really uh, finding I'm awakening to that right now. So yeah, it definitely does resonate with that. Yeah, that that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and for you too, with your book, mm-hmm. that's a huge creation to be putting out there. Yeah. It's like the ultimate blog, the ultimate guide. Yeah. Like yes. so, so many of the <laughs> things that have been the most successful and the most satisfying for me have been just like literal guides. And you would think, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, can you sell a PDF and can that make people happy? Absolutely. Like you just have to be the right person to do that. It has to feel right for you because there's absolutely a market for that. It just has to come from the right energy. And that always shocks me and and shocks a lot of people for sure. Right. It just has to flow in the most aligned way, but Mm -hmm. it definitely can really for people. Mm -hmm. Now I'm really clear on the show about how I am not a human design expert. I am just the leader of it as my own one, three experiment, because I'm curious about understanding how our profile lines affect our choices and our decisions in business, but you are a human design expert. And while I have you on here, I know that you've done a lot of learning about your dominant circuitry and using that to design your business. So Mm -hmm. can you first explain circuitry to me and the listeners? And can you share your story of how you incorporate this aspect of your design into pure generators? Yeah, we have like three different circuits in the human design body graph. All of the gates and channels fall under one of these. I guess technically there's kind of four because there's one that kind of ties them together. But there's individual, collective, tribal, and then integration. So these are the ones that kind of like tie it all together. But basically, most people have a bit of all three in their body graph, but Often you'll have a dominant one, and I find that that's very helpful in business in particular. It really describes a lot of the way that you naturally interact with other people. So, for instance, I have dominant collective circuitry, so I am oriented toward 
speaking to the whole, like paying attention to what's humanity doing? What are we doing as this human species? What is the group doing? So it's not so much about my little clan or tribe or or even just me. It's like, what's this whole and how do I fit into that? And what am I seeing? Um, so it would make sense. People who have that, I always say, Things like podcasts, blogs, you know, social media, those are really great things for collective circuitry. Tribal circuitry is more that smaller group. So those people that you actually have a tangible connection with. I would say tribal circuitry has been kind of the the dominant way that humanity has been organized for the last couple of thousand years. And we're kind of moving away from that. But there's still absolutely a place for tribal circuitry. And so those people, yeah, they're concerned with the survival and the resources of the people closest to them. So for those people, building some kind of intimate community, things like that are the most natural. And then people who have the dominant individual circuitry, it's kind of about your own process, your own experiences, and putting those out there. And that's a good way to connect with people. And yeah, I think those are really helpful for figuring out what are the best ways? There's so many different ways to communicate and connect with people online when you're doing business and in person, and those can really help. So yeah, you can figure those out. Like geneticmatrix.com has a their calculator. I think the pro version, you can get like a day pass, has a view where you can see by percentage if someone's curious about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's pretty interesting and I think it's helpful. That probably really reflects in the theme that you're interested in about the shift into the new paradigm. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. People with collective circuitry are like, where are we going as a collective? Like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It totally makes sense why some people are so oriented to that and some people just aren't. Right. And some people are really oriented to having those like close personal ties and some aren't. So it is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't remember my percentage, but I'm primarily individual circuitry. And most of my storytelling and example giving and analogies that I create are my primary form of connection with Mm -hmm. people. That's the messages that are the ones that resonate the most often. And so what you're saying about that really makes a lot of sense for that as well. Yeah. And even the format of this podcast, it's like individuals coming on and sharing their experiences and that's really valuable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love to be able to give a good example. it's, It's really important to me that every profile line is represented in the first season. And I just, I don't want somebody to come to the show and be like, oh, where's the one with my profile? But that said, if you're listening to this and you want to be on, then you should definitely get in touch with me and tell me what your profile is, because there are some profiles that are really highly representative in like reaching out and wanting to be on. And then other profiles that are more content to hermit and sit back and not Mm -hmm. put their hand up for a (laughs) podcast. So if there's less of the episodes about your specific profile, do reach out to me and let me know that you want to be on. So Rachel, you have, I'm sure a ton of wisdom to share about listening to your own sacral responses as a generator. It's a lot of what you do at Mm -hmm. Pure Generators. Can you tell us when is the most recent time that you had to make a choice and you let your sacral take the lead and what did that experience feel like in your body? Yeah. I can give you an example of a time when I did not listen to it. Sure. That's interesting too. (laughs) Yeah. I do like course correct. 
So I had signed up, I guess it was last year with a financial planner to help me out with like my retirement stuff, all of that. And I think that when I first met her, I, my sacred was like, no, but I was like, you know, I'm here. Like, this is who they gave me. We're just, we're doing this. Like, I just, mm-hmm. it's not my favorite topic. We're just going to make this work. So I ignored it. And a year later, I recently met with her and she just really was like unpro- unprofessional and kind of inappropriate and very unhelpful. And just, yeah, it was like, obviously like a sacral no. And so I ended up ending that relationship, moving my money elsewhere, whatever. But I reflected on that a lot um, because I think when I felt that initial no and didn't really listen to it, it was just this like, this thing inside that was like, this doesn't feel expansive. This is like, I just kind of felt like, "Mm," like, and it comes with thoughts too, you know, but I think that first like body sense of just not wanting to be, just not feeling sort of open and expanded and just like loose and free in my body was probably the sign that that was not the way to go. So sometimes, I mean, this is classic third line life experience. Sometimes the best way to figure out if something <laughs> is working or not is just to try it and <laughs> you quickly realize it does not work. <laughs> so I see those experiences as just as valuable as making a really good decision with your sacral as a yes. Uh, but thankfully when the time came and it had been a year, like I really, I hadn't had any contact with her. So I hadn't had any additional responses. So it made sense mm-hmm. through that year. It was totally fine. But once it was time to respond to that thing again, my body was just like, nope. Like I felt frustrated angry, annoyed, just like totally shut down. Um, And that's when I made the decision to move the money or the business, I immediately felt like relief. And that's often how it feels to like make a tough decision or just any decision where you have to say a no to something is when you decide to go in a different direction. Like I often feel just like really relieved and like energy is kind of surging back into my body. So I don't know if that's, I love a good closing of the loop. (laughs) That's that's what it feels like for me. Um, I think it's just like a little pat on the back, like a self congratulations for listening to that sacral. (laughs) I'm still learning to listen. And maybe that's a third line thing where we're always going to be learning to listen because there's some little part of me that's like, well, but I could try Mm -hmm. it and find out, right? Like that's so tempting (laughs) to override the sacral response and just be like, or I could just try it. It's like, well, or not, or you could use the wisdom that you've gained through trying similar things that haven't worked out. Yeah. At a certain point, it can become a little exhausting for sure. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I do think as you get more experience under your belt and you have enough of these experiences where it didn't work out, then it does become easier to spot it earlier on, but it takes a lot of practice because that conditioning to one, just to prefer having something in hand rather than waiting for it. I think that's often what gets us as generators, which totally makes sense. It's like our mind would rather just know what the thing is, even if it's not so good, than wait and leave that space open. But honestly, like we're just conditioned not to listen to that. So it takes a long time and, and it's not really like a process you can rush. And it's not even like, as soon as you understand it intellectually, all of a sudden you'll just do it right all the time because 
they say it takes seven years to fully decondition, like do a whole cycle because that's how long it takes sort of all your cells to regenerate. And I think that you can see a lot of progress much faster than that. But the farther I get on this first cycle for me of deconditioning, the more I realize that is probably true. (laughs) Like, I think we can see a lot of results earlier, but I, I definitely can see how, even though this is what I do for my job and that's like what I dedicate my whole life to like there's no shortcuts to actual life experience so yeah Mm -hmm. oh yeah I wish it were as easy as intellectually knowing it I know (laughs) making it true especially as a first line we're like I have all the info it's like no nothing can go wrong (laughs) so you mentioned the defined head and ajna this is like way back in the conversation but my brain's picking up on it now needing consistent inputs. What does that look like for you? I'm also a defined head and and sometimes I have to consciously tell myself like, no, you're not listening to a podcast on this walk. Mm-hmm. You're just going for a walk. Yeah. Like turn off the flow <laughs> of information. For just I literally a just did that 20 minutes ago when oh, I really? took my dog for a walk. I was like, you know, there's kind of like, like I, my husband was really frustrated with something I was helping him at. I was like, I need to be like, I need to just feel my feelings like on this walk. Now I really, yeah. Cause I, my first inclination would be just fill my head with voices talking about something interesting, but yeah, I, I mean the, the distinction between the two, like 70% of the population does not have a defined head. So we're kind of in the minority there when you have an undefined head and or Ajna, it's like you you need mental stimulation. So a lot of your thoughts and a lot of your just like mental progress and like thinking is something that happens when you receive some kind of outward or outside input. So people with like an undefined head are literally open-minded. It's, it's fun for them to consider a lot of things, think about a lot of things. So it's not that like people with undefined heads don't think a lot they do but it's just like they're stimulated by something from the outside typically that starts that process whereas for those of us who have a defined head and ajna it's like we need an outlet for that mental energy we have that going all the time so I think we're the ones who you know need something like a crossword or a sudoku or a podcast to listen to like that's almost relaxing for us like i will like do the crossword to relax and like my husband who has a completely open head is like oh my god like what a lot of mental pressure that is that's not <laughs> relaxing at all so that's the big distinction i've noticed is if we don't have an outlet for those thoughts number one they can become really negative for us like if we get caught in the negative loop of thinking that's just going to be consistent and it's going to go on and on and on. So we have to shift that for ourselves or find a better outlet, something better to think about. Whereas, yeah, someone with an undefined head, they need that rest and that's how they get their like mental rest as opposed to putting it into something like a game. (laughs) Yeah. I've had a lot of energy healings where the practitioner is like, whoa, there's a lot going on up there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, uh there is. is Mm -hmm. It's a thing. And it just, it is what it is. So as long as we can find those outlets, then, you know, it won't turn against us and make us ill or uh, have like a negative impact. Yeah. Since we're on the defined, undefined thread, you mentioned that you have an undefined throat and you've managed to figure out a way to do social media with that undefined throat and also just Mm -hmm. in general, making social media work for your profile and for your design. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? 
Yeah, definitely. The undefined throat in social media is a topic that's been really popular with my like generator MG audience. I think even though it's a minority of people who have that undefined throat, I think it's something that people really struggle with. So when you have an undefined throat, it's basically like you have more flexibility in how and when you both communicate and make things happen. So a lot of that is going to depend on who you're around, the environment you're in, things like that. Undefined throats can also have a tendency to want to seek attention. And, you know, social media is a place where there's a lot of that happening. It's very easy to fall in that trap um, if you have a defined throat and you're not totally aware of how to use that energy. But what I always say for undefined throats is it's more about quality over quantity. So a defined throat, it may be very natural for them, kind of like we're talking about with the head. They need an outlet for that expression. So their social media may be that consistent outlet where they, when they have something to say, they always go there and say it. So they may be able to express themselves more consistently. You know, that word comes up a lot with social media as being like a positive thing. Mm -hmm. But what I always remind undefined throats is that consistency doesn't mean every single day. That can mean twice a week. That can mean once a week. That could mean like one in-depth thing once a month. It's not really about trying to force yourself into one way of expression because typically if you do that, whatever you're doing, it's just going to fall flat. Like it's not going to hurt you necessarily, but it just is going to make you feel frustrated. And so with undefined throats, it's good to really learn to tap into the signals that your body's giving you for when you know you have something to say. And if, you know, if you're wanting to show up on social media a certain amount and you feel that that's important to you, there are systems and other people that can help you do that. But you might find that you're the type of person who gets a real like inspiration to express themselves not as often. And so maybe you sit down and you have a lot of things to say. You have a lot of ideas, like you're creating all these things and then other times you're not. So yeah, you don't have to go on there and think that you're always, you always have to be trying to attract attention, but it's hard for the mind sometimes. <laughs> it's so true what you said about how at some point we conflated consistency with daily. Mm -hmm. I have that conversation again and again with clients. Like who said that consistency needed to be constant? Consistency yeah. and constancy are not the same thing. Exactly. And yet at some point we decided that that was true. I get asked all the time, like, how many times should I post a week? How many times is optimal? And I'm like, well, that depends on a lot of different things. You can still be consistent without having to put in consistent energy, even like you can batch things and then yeah. put them out in a consistent way. Or like, there's so many workarounds to that. Definitely. And the other part of it is the throat isn't just speaking or expression. It's also action. I mean, that is your manifestation center. So People with undefined throats often struggle a lot with, am I going to be able to do this? When am I going to do this? When's it going to happen for me? We really have to surrender to our own timing and just trust that the things that we desire, the things that we know we're doing, that we know will happen for us will happen at the perfect time. And we don't have to push it or rush it because we honestly just don't have consistent access to that energy. It's just not something that we always have. So yeah, definitely a lot of anxiety around that too. But I'll also say like, I mean, 
I, if you look at my Instagram, for instance, like, I don't know, I have what, like 16,000 followers at this point. So it's not like a massive Instagram, but it's also not a tiny one. Mm -hmm. And I don't have all that many posts. If you look at this year, I skipped whole months while I was just busy doing other things and my Instagram didn't shrink. So I think that's just a good example of the undefined throat. It's really just quality and it keeps working for you. Yes, but you're exemplifying consistency in other ways other than posting frequently. Like your yeah, branding sometimes. is so distinctive, right? Mm -hmm. And so that is a contributing factor too. And your message is clear and your niche is defined. There's a lot of factors. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And also, even if I'm not posting on Instagram, I'm doing other things elsewhere in my business. I'll go through periods where I, it doesn't really grow, but it doesn't really shrink. And then when I come sure. back, it's like it grows again. So yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. What is the one three eest thing that you think you've done lately? I mean, I feel like I'm always doing a couple, a couple of rabbit holes I've been down lately are like, okay, I get really into figuring out curly hair maintenance. That's one of my long-term rabbit holes. So I'll get sucked down that. And then I have to try a bunch of new products. I gotten like that with makeup recently. So I get obsessed and it's like, why does all my energy want to go to this? Why am I watching all these things? I don't know, but I just go with it, I guess, because I don't know. It's just like your generator energy wants to go where it goes. I did the same thing with like, Japanese planners or like I'll <laughs> research obsessively and watched like probably 25 hours of YouTube videos, if not more like of everyone unboxing their thing. And then I was like, okay, well, what am I going to buy? And then I go and I figure it out and then I order my planner and then I'm doing that. So yeah, it's like, I always have some weird little topic that mm -hmm. I'm obsessing over and doing a bunch of research on and watching all these videos. And it's like a thirst. It's like, that's the only thing that's going to feed me that day is that topic. Mm -hmm. And then <laughs> I have to kind of test it out. And then, so I'll like order my things or buy my things or whatever. And then I try it out. It's not always buying things, but in this case it was. And then I'm over it. <laughs> it's like, I figured it out. Okay. For now. And then it's on to the next thing, but often I'll come back to the same topics over and over. Is that something that you find yourself doing? Cause at least for me, it operates in cycles, not with everything, but with yeah. a lot of things. Yes, definitely. Especially hobbies. Like I will go really hard on something for a little while. I used to be a scrapbooker and I was like really into it. And I spent a whole Saturday scrapbooking and then I stopped for years. And then it's like, I see the box and I'm like, oh yeah, like, it's not like those <laughs> stickers haven't been there all along. They've been waiting, <laughs> but then all of a sudden I'm into that again. But I, I find I never come back to something in the same way ever again. Every yeah. time I come back to it, there's a different layer. It's somehow different. I can't seem to just pick something up in the same way again. I completely agree. That's exactly, mm -hmm. it's like every time you've kind of mutated with that third line into yeah. some new facet of it. And that's absolutely what happens to me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think our designs have a lot in common. So this is really cool to, to be able to talk with you about all of this. Would you say that there's anything that you'd recommend to your fellow one threes as tools and resources or any personal practices that have really helped you? Yeah, I would say it's kind of simple, which is just allow yourself to go down all those rabbit holes. It can be so easy to feel like, oh, that's not logical. Why am I putting my time and energy toward this? 
because sometimes it doesn't align with the main thing you're doing or the main goal or whatever it is, but it's providing you with an energy that is so important and it tends Mm -hmm. to feed everything in your life. And that is, I guess, really the most important thing behind all of this, like human design and living in your design is just allowing that life force energy to be operating in a healthy way for generators and manifesting generators Mm -hmm. in particular but really anybody it's like just allow yourself to go down those rabbit holes and then when you're kind of feeling burnt out on getting the information then turn your attention elsewhere I think the experimentation kind of comes naturally as you live your life but yeah I think just like sitting down and reflecting a bit on like where what am I feeling interested in? What's pulling at my attention? What's calling to me? What's, you know, lighting you up if you're a generator or an MG and like making conscious space for that? Because sometimes those things can be like, we can be feeling them, but we just get busy with daily life and it gets sort of buried. So I think just allowing those to come up to the conscious mind and then leave space for it. Yeah, and sometimes I find... I don't realize that something has gone stale for me, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'll sort of go through the motions on something thinking that it's still of interest. And then partway through, I'll realize like, oh, wait, do I even like this anymore? Yeah, exactly. And I'll have to check in like that, but that's not a first thought for me. I'm usually deeper into something before I remember and the switch flips for me. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, because you kind of start to build it into your life in a certain way. Like, oh, well, in the evenings, I just start looking at this thing. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, hmm, that's maybe not giving me like the same hit as it did before. And then sometimes you'll keep doing it even when you're like, oh, this is actually kind of frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) That happens to me all the time. That may be like a generator MG specific thing that happens, (laughs) generators in particular, but I think it could happen to any type. Yeah. Cause yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, it's like your mind gets kind of excited by it and then it can take a while to be like, Oh, on to the next. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Definitely. I always feel like I learn so much from you and I know that everyone listening is going to feel the same. We like to close out the show by drawing an affirmation card that's specific to the guest's profile. I'm holding the one, three deck of cards from the custom human design affirmation deck from glow, glow juice, HD from Christina. Take a deep breath in together. And let that go. The card that I've drawn for you today is when I am drawn to someone I can trust, they will bring me what I need. Do I need to release any messaging around being opportunistic? Yeah, that definitely resonates. Thank you again for joining us. For people who want to get in touch or they want to check out the book, which is very exciting, or check out any of your other creations, where can they go to do that? Yeah, you can find me at puregenerators.com and at puregenerators on Instagram and Twitter, I guess X as we call it now. The book is called A Modern Guide to Human Design. Pop that into Google. You can find it at pretty much any bookseller worldwide. 